We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Fauci. Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is the Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today by... The lovely, the one and only, the great Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, I gotta ask you, what did you think about the Caitlin Clark versus Angel Reese duo that we saw in the Women's National Championship game? Man, that made a lot of noise. Hey, you know, shout out to LSU. Really good year. Led the nation in, in scoring, so I knew that uh, Iowa was going to have their hands full, but... Yeah, it definitely does feel like one of those where, you know, it never feels good to be on the other end of that. And I know all talk shows were getting into it about, uh, I, I what was it, Caitlin Reese, that's her name? No, no Angel Reese, Caitlin Angel Clark, Reese, that's what Angel Reese, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> I've watched very little uh, women's college basketball, I'll be honest with that. Caitlin Clark, in my opinion, unbelievable player. Angel yeah. Reese, I don't know enough about her, obviously. Unfortunately, what makes the headlines is, you know, Doing the you can't see me type of thing like that. I think in the moment, hey, look, if you can dish it, you got to be able to take it. So Absolutely. No, I mean, I totally agree with that. I honestly don't understand people getting mad at Angel Reese for for showboating in front of Caitlin Clark because Caitlin Clark does that all the time. So Mm -hmm. I will just say this from a basketball fan, seeing two powerhouses play each other in the championship game is incredible to watch. It was one of the most talked about women's national titles games that I can remember in a long time. Yeah, completely agree. 
And honestly, I think it's overshadowed the men's national title game between UConn and San Diego State. That is a good point. And every single person that you talk to, they're like, oh, I love the upsets. I love the madness, blah, blah, blah. I get all that. But at the end of the day, we want to see the best compete against the best. And I'm not discrediting what any of these college teams have done. But from a fan perspective, especially a casual college basketball fan, even if this game is ridiculously awesome tonight, Fachi, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them, I just prefer seeing the Blue Bloods, the, the ones that have the talent that you really care about for the future. Because some of these players, I mean, this is going to be the end of their career, college yes. basketball. But, you know, we know that Angel Reese and we know that Caitlin Clark, they're going to have long basketball careers. And, you know, there's, our, there's some guys on Connecticut for sure, that are going to be able to probably make the pros. Yep. And maybe there are some on San Diego State, but I haven't really maybe. heard much about them. Exactly. So, you know, when you think about like, oh, man, Alabama versus Houston, like that was a lot of predicted games or like Alabama versus Gonzaga. Like there's just these bigger names that make that game more appealing. So we'll see what happens in that. I'm not, not trying to take away from what could be a really awesome college championship game here. We don't know. We're recording this beforehand. But just my thoughts, I love seeing big names play against each other for the championship i'm i'm right there with you because i don't really know these players i know a couple of guys on uconn just like you mentioned but yeah people do want to see the best of the best go at it and i'm very curious to see where this national championship falls ratings wise because you know san diego state uh, it, i mean uconn has a, a much bigger fan base than san diego state but it helps to having those blue bloods in there to get more eyes on it whether you're rooting against someone like oh, I hate Duke or Kentucky. I want to see them go down. Or maybe mm-hmm. they have a big fan base rooting for them. This way, I don't really feel strongly about either side. You know, if San Diego State wins, hey, good for them. For UConn, if if they win, it's like, oh, wow. You know, I didn't expect them to, you know, get back to the mountaintop after, you know, they've, they've had a big turnover, you know, in, in coaching for the last few years. And, you know, hey, good story for them, but you made a great point. But as it relates to Caitlin Clark, I just want to say, look, like I mentioned, I haven't watched too much women's college basketball over the last few years. She was a treat to watch in mm-hmm. March Madness. Like, she can get her shot up, you know, very quickly and go off for 40 in the blink of an eye. So I, I think yeah. that, hey, that was good. That was enjoyable. That was the most I've heard my friends talk about a women's national championship or a women's tournament run. So that says a lot when you're getting people who don't typically watch to be able to watch that when – I'm going to be honest. I, I get it. I was working for most of today. I have not heard anybody say to me yet, who you think of the national championships night. So that's a yeah, lot too. Same same here, Fudge. But real quick, just want to give a shout out because we did do our tournament challenge, Fudge. Mm-hmm. I think at the beginning of the Sweet 16, we decided, yep. hey, let's make this a little interesting and let's have people message us. Some people listen to the podcast and message us. So I, I honestly just want to say, before I put this out on Twitter, Patrick Fagan messaged me on Twitter and said, hey, I want to be a part of the tournament challenge. So he's a faithful listener of the show, and he picked number two. And number two is San Diego State University. So Patrick Fagan, you know, I'm going to give you your flowers here because not only did you not have to be prompted by a tweet from us, you actually listened to the entire podcast because it was at the very end of the show. So no offense to our faithful listener, Randall Wood. I'm sure he listened to the show as well, but he didn't message me until I put the tweet out. So uh, UConn's been dominating. I think San Diego State winning would be my favorite outcome of these two teams because we've already seen UConn win. And I'm just not the biggest Connecticut fan. Nothing against them. Just never have been the biggest fan of them. So 
you know, I'm uh, I'm not pulling against Randall here, but I'm just rooting for San Diego State and Patrick to win. But either of you guys, if you win, Fachi, we have a prize package for them. I know for sure we're going to be getting them tickets to one of the final two games of the season, and we're also going to hook them up with a brand new Setting the Pace t-shirt. Hey, those shirts are very comfortable, so I'm telling you, you're going to like that. And if you don't go the shirt route, I mean, tickets to the game, I mean, there's only two opportunities to see the Pacers for the rest of the season. So you, you might want to, you know, be getting that prize in pretty soon. <laughs> but either way, you can't go wrong here. Yeah. So just real quick, I'm going to give you both if you win. So you're not going to have to pick oh, between hey, the even two. Better. Yes. Hey. So you're going to get both. And the thing here is, Foch, if somebody already bought one of our new black T-shirts that we printed out, we have another one coming up on the way we've already kind of got the layout for it i've tweeted it out a little bit it was in a hoodie form but we can turn that into a t-shirt as well it's very simple it's going to be on on a navy shirt or a navy sweatshirt so if you prefer a t-shirt uh we will hook you with one of the hook you up with one of those we have not released that yet officially but you know i did meet some people at the game friday fachi when i was there for the thunder game and they said honest i actually saw a girl wearing one of our setting the pace oh always amazing to see a hoodie, one of the black hoodies that we hardly saw wow. any of. So yeah. I was like, where did she get that? I said, I don't even remember who that is. So if you're listening to this and you have that hoodie, shout out. But another listener said, honestly, I just love your guys' merchandise. And that's why I buy it. You guys have some of the best merch out there just for Pacers merch. So, you know, it, it's always good to hear that uh, feedback, even though it uh, makes us seem kind of braggadocious, Fotch. It's just cool to hear. And that's awesome to hear. And whoever that may be, if you're listening... We very much appreciate you uh, and everybody who's ever supported the show in general, even if you've never bought something or even if you've just downloaded one episode, we appreciate you because like we said, Alex, and this is like our fifth year doing this. We would be long done and over with and forgotten if it wasn't for our passionate listeners who really make us say, hey, we got to put out more content or we got to raise the bar. Hey, how do I get a player like Tyrese Halliburton on here? Like always trying to, you know, one up each other to bring you guys the best possible content that we can. So just want to make sure I, I get you guys your flowers and say thank you very much. Absolutely, Faji. So let's just go ahead and transition now because the Pacers had two games over the weekend. I already mentioned that I was at the Thunder game on Friday night. The Pacers got the victory in that one, which is a bit of a surprise, Ugh. seeing that Shea Gilgis-Alexander came back uh, from an injury that he had missed a previous game, and he was in this game, and it came down to the wire, an out-of-bounds call that got overturned, which was, you know, a very questionable call. I, I think for the Tank fans, or mm -hmm. the get the better draft pick fans, they were excited to see the call get overturned. But yeah, this was an interesting game for sure. And then they played Cleveland pretty well on Sunday night, Fachi. And, you know, up until the fourth quarter, they were going neck and neck with this team. So um, I don't know where you want to start with this, Fachi, but thunder. it was just a game that I was surprised how the results ended. I really was, because you're talking about the Thunder. This is not the Thunder from a couple of years ago. This has been a competitive Thunder team. And when I heard that Shea was playing... It was like, okay, all right, now we could have our hands full. Because when I knew he wasn't there, it, the roster definitely looks a little bit more bare bones. And when I know that we're already without Halliburton, no Turner, no Duarte, it's like, oh, oh man, Pacers might be able to win this one. Shea goes off for 39 points. I mean, mm -hmm. really good, but it was not enough because, you know, call him, call him whatever you want to call him, but the juggernaut himself, TJ McConnell, would just not let the Pacers uh. down. 
I mean, McConnell, 21 points, nine rebounds, eight assists. He was massive. It just it just felt like he he could not let the Pacers down in that game. Carlisle just gushing about him afterwards, talking about how, how hard he's played, his attitude, you know, one of the big reasons why, you know, they were able to get the win. And unfortunately, it might have been a costly one for the Pacers in the draft standings. Surprisingly, he didn't have the highest plus minus was O'Shea Brissett, but TJ McConnell had a, was a plus 16 in that game with 21 points, nine rebounds, and eight assists. The man almost had a triple-double, and he shot 10 of 15 from the field. Yep. So, you, you know, I will say this. When McConnell came out, I believe it was like with like four minutes left to go, I thought, okay, they're not going to put him back in. He's played about his normal amount of minutes. And I think it was like the next dead ball. There he goes back. And I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, mm-hmm. this is like so different. And I think if you look at the next game against Cleveland, he only played 19 minutes. Pacers got outscored 20 to 12 in the final 725 in that Cavs game when TJ McConnell went to the bench. They were only up, or the Cavs were only up 95 93 when McConnell was still in the game. So I, I love TJ McConnell's fight. I love his spirit. I love what he brings to the table. I'm not mad that he's playing as hard as he's playing because TJ McConnell doesn't know any other way to play. Exactly. But I will say this. Why was he getting 30 minutes in uh, a game when it's pretty much meaningless? I mean, it's not not meaningless. It's not like, I guess it's the right way to say it. It's not not meaningless, but it's to the point where it's, it's where you have to think about the bigger picture. You know, they they talked about not wanting to lose like 10 games in a row like they did last year, and they had, they were on a four-game losing streak. It's at a game in front of the home fans. Like, yeah, you're going to go out there and compete, but personally, Fachi, I'm just going to say this as a little bit of a hot take. I kind of feel like this was a let's let T.J. McConnell cook moment because this might be the last season he's with this team. Hey, the chef was in the kitchen on that night. I mean, he really was cooking. And, and, and to your point, this – if this is an audition for the rest of the league, you know, for this offseason, if someone wants to trade for TJ McConnell, he's playing some of his best basketball right now. Through the month of March into that first game of April, he's averaging 13 points, six assists on nearly 60% shooting. He's he's balling. He really is. And I, and I feel like if, if the Pacers really do want to improve their draft stock, unfortunately, it comes with playing McConnell less because – he is that impactful. He plays that hard. And I've said it before, but all 30 teams in the league should want a McConnell or two or more if they're even lucky. So I, I do feel that McConnell could help a lot of teams. And he's also, we've talked about this, he's too good to just play like 10 minutes a night as a third string point guard. Like he still has a lot to give a contender. And I, and I feel like the Pacers should have suitors if they are to make him available this offseason. Yeah, because there was a stretch in that game, too, I think we need to highlight, where Andrew Nimhart had eight straight points mm-hmm. against the Thunder. And I thought, okay, this is the turning point. That's when I really felt like the turning point hit because Carlisle brought it up as well. But when we watch it in, in real time, you just felt a shift in the arena. Now, it didn't help that the Thunder shot like four for 30 from three this night. So they didn't make a three in the first half. So the Thunder were just atrocious from behind the line. And everything was inside the arc where they were getting to the uh, free throw line or whether it was Shea just uh, getting downhill. Like at one point I looked up on the scoreboard and it it said Shea Gilchrist Alexander had 16 points in like the second quarter, like right at the beginning. And I said, how does he have 16 points already? Like 
He was just playing out of his mind. And, you know, this is a game that the Thunder really needed to win because the Dallas Mavericks are falling apart. They're 7-16 oh, yeah. and 16 since the trade deadline. You know, they've fallen to the 11th seed, and they're, you know, right there for the chance to get the last playing spot against the Thunder. And the Thunder, they lost again on Sunday to the Phoenix Suns. It's like, they're not really playing great basketball either. But I think either one of them, if they get into a playing situation, could still somehow make the 7th or 8th seed because that's how competitive the Western Conference has been. But from a Pacers standpoint, you have to look at it like, Okay, Nimhart played really well. Mathern had really good defense on the last shot SGA took, even though I didn't love the attempt. Matherin got switched, and he played pretty solid defense. He had a really tough night with Lou Dort guarding him. He was only able to get eight shot attempts the entire game because they were trying to eliminate him. But I, I just think overall, the McConnell show towards the end of the game, it's just like he was doing everything he could, and he was doing what TJ McConnell does best. But... You said it. He's too talented to be a third-string point guard. And with the development and uh, the growth we've seen from Andrew Nimhard, I just don't envision there being a window of opportunity here for McConnell to get a lot of minutes moving forward, especially if they believe this much in their backcourt duo uh, of, of – or point guard duo, I should say, of Halliburton and Nimhard. Yeah, you're completely right. And and Nemhart has taken steps lately. I mean, did the math dating back to the Rockets game. So, you know, one game before Halliburton got hurt, or really the game that he got hurt in. Uh yeah, he banged his knee at the end of the game. Anyway, um, Nemhart has since averaged 15 and a half points and six assists per game on exactly 50% shooting and 43% from three. I believe that's a 14-game sample size. So Talking about over the last 14 games, Nemart's playing his best basketball right now. Mm-hmm. And, and this is without Halliburton. And obviously, we want Halliburton out there. So it gets to a point where it's like, how is there going to be enough for all three of Halliburton, Nemart, and McConnell to thrive next year? And as McConnell gets you know one year older and time starts to tick down that contract even more, it's a perfect time to be able to move him to a team that's not taking on a bunch of salary or anything of that sort. So I do think that Nemhart has shown, hey, he needs even more playing time. Going back to, you know, uh, Matherin a little bit, selfishly, and it's just by one point. Matherin outscored Jalen Williams by one point, and we got the win. <laughs> and I thought to myself, yeah, now that's not going to be enough to boost him in the, in the rookie of the year standings or anything of the sort. But it, it was just like, okay, you know what? I can live with that i've enjoyed the you know him going against paulo even if they're not guarding each other or anything of that sort just a you know rookie versus rookie type of situation so um you know i i think that one thing on matherin while we're on the subject is last couple games you know obviously he had those two games where he really struggled in the starting lineup right when buddy healed moved to the bench Mm -hmm. ever since then matherin has been unleashed in the last four games he's averaging 22.2 points per game on 50% shooting, six and a half rebounds per game. And Alex, get this, 36.7 minutes per game. This is the unleashing we have all been waiting for. And it's coming at the right time at the end of the season where we could fully see what is he capable of. And he's put up some big games in the stretch. So I love seeing that Matherin and Nemhard are playing some of their best basketball right now. 
So this is those are the stats after the last the first two games that he started. Exactly. Okay. And do you have his three point percentage? Uh, it's not good. That's why I left it out. Uh, I tainted the stats just a little bit because uh, <laughs> I was going through it, and, and the, well, the three point percentage I, I want to say it was in the twenties. Okay, so he's still struggling from three to get consistent looks, but. You know, we saw some growth from him, and I actually really loved what Carlisle said after the OKC game where they pulled him out because he didn't run to the corner. He wasn't moving enough, and he said that he's really got to get that into him. He said the greats have done that. You you run and move and do all this stuff on offense, even if you don't touch the ball because you're trying to create openings for other players. He said Reggie did it, Buddy Heald did it. He's got to learn how to do it, and he was pulled for that. And I actually think that is a great coaching job by Rick Carlisle because this is what we want to see in these last games development and learning and he did better after being pulled for that because you have to learn that you're not just going to get away with stuff because you're a rookie right you're not mm-hmm. just going to be or because you're a promising rookie you're not just going to get away with it you have to be taught stuff and Pat Boylan tweeted it out and I shared that tweet today because I said this is a great point and we saw last night some of those same uh steps from Matherin where he had some growth because the Cavaliers are a very hard team to guard. They've got Darius yep. Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and I love how Carlisle phrased this. Karis Levert's a good offensive player. So, <laughs> That's great. So he said that, and he made sure that he didn't say that Karis Levert's a good two-way player. But, you know, he had like two or three offensive fouls in the final, in, in, the, in the fourth quarter, in like a three-minute stretch. And I was like, man, this is rough for Ben, but... You know, he got a flagrant foul called on him, which I didn't think was flagrant when he was kind of in the same – he was in the, the vicinity of Donovan Mitchell's landing spot on a three-point shot. So he got three free throws in the ball back. And, you know, these are all great learning tools for him. And personally, from a selfish standpoint, I was hoping we'd get to see this a little bit more than the final nine games of the season. Oh, I would have preferred absolutely. to see – You know, and, and maybe that would have happened if he didn't get hurt against the Rockets. I'm maybe. not 100% sure because – they could have done that in the two Pistons games, kind of started him out there and then kept him in that rotation. But, you know, it is what it is. So I do love the growth that we've seen from him offensively and defensively. He's really showcasing, okay, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do. He's not as poised defensively still as Nimhart. He's got a ways to go on that end. And no, he's not going to win rookie of the year. He's probably going to be, should be all rookie first team. Absolutely. It'd be a crime if he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been impressed with him. His shooting has to get better from the perimeter if he really wants to to find that spot. But the free throws is what I love, too. He started off red hot against the Cavs last night, and he's rebounding the ball at a, at a much better rate, too. So I think that we got to remember, he's so young. Oh, yeah. The future is so bright for him. And winning these games, losing these games, it doesn't matter. You're focused on what Matherin can develop into and what lessons he can learn from these final games. I mean, he's 20 years old. He doesn't turn 21 until June. So in the middle of June um, and, you know, talking about the free throws, I mean, the last, last four games against Dallas, six of seven from the line, six of nine against Milwaukee, four or five against OKC, eight of eight against Cleveland. So, you know, over that span, he's averaging, you know, just over about seven free throws per game. You love to see it. Uh, I do have the numbers over that four-game stretch. He shot five of 18 from three. It equates to 27%. So, you know, not not good, but everything else in this game, you're starting to see some improvements. Um, you know, still could distribute the ball a little bit better, but we don't need him to be a distributor. Tyrese Halliburton's going to take care of that. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And speaking on Halliburton and distributing, Halliburton, if if does not play another game, will be the first player ever to have averaged 20 points per game, 10 assists per game, and shot 40% from the field. So yeah. that no player has ever done that before. But here's also the bad news. Halliburton does not appear and does not hit the required 58 games to qualify you know, some of those stats might not be taken into effect in terms of like he's second in the NBA in assists per game at 10.4. But if he doesn't play again, uh, it's one of those where he doesn't qualify to technically do that. But we know what he's done. Do you, so, think, he, do you think he plays against the Knicks? Uh, I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's I done think for he's the done. year. I and, think Turner's done too. Yeah. Dustin Dopirek, which I talked about a Thursday on the podcast you weren't able to make. Um, you know, Dustin Dopirek had tweeted out that he had asked Carlisle kind of like what the next things might be, you know, that kind of thing. Like, will we see Turner? Will we see Halliburton? And he kind of like phrased it a certain way. And he said, basically, like, there's a good chance they don't play the rest of the year. And I knew at that point that that meant they were done. Exactly. And, you know, and, and the thing is, everybody hates the T-word. Nobody likes the word tanking. Yep. And, you know, one of our fans of the week, Mikey O, who's a faithful listener of the show, like, I tweeted it out today, just something very basic. Like, if you're wanting the Pacers to lose these games – and someone calls you you're, or says that you're not a true fan. Well, that's just not true. It's a lie. Uh, I think while rooting for losses is different and it's it's not normal for people to want to root for losses, because wanting your team to get the best pick possible makes the most sense to me. And and Mike Yo just kind of tweeted, he's like, yeah, but eventually the tanking is going to get old. And I said, well, I don't really think they tanked this year because if they were tanking, they wouldn't have won as many games as they did, Fachi. I mean, the Detroit Pistons are 1-20 in their last 21 games, and the one win came against the Pacers, okay? Yeah. That is tanking. Sitting out all your key guys for a majority of the season or second half of the season, that is tanking. The Pacers did not do that. They've allowed guys to develop. They've created a good culture. They've created good habits. They're breaking bad habits. I really think overall – you're not going to see a full-on tank. The Pacers are never going to be, you know, programmed to do that. They're not going to just purposely sit their top 12 players and get a bunch of G League guys and get guys on two-way deals. You know, they're not doing that stuff. So I think this is great how they've gone about it. They sit their two key guys that they believe in for the future in Halliburton Matherin, or Halliburton Turner. Duarte, unfortunately, has not been healthy, but 
your key guys right there are the only ones not playing, and you're allowing Nimhard and Matherin, the two guys that you really believe in, to get their reps, get their touches and that kind of thing, and grow and see what you have. And it's opened up more opportunities for guys like Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, Jordan Moore, Aaron Neesmith. You want to see what these guys can do, and I think this is giving them a better sample size of that. It completely is. And also, let's not lose track. The Pacers beat the Vegas win projection by like 11 games. Yeah. So this is not a tank. If anything, we were far better than the majority of what people thought. So I I think that needs to be taken into effect. And let's be honest, if Halliburton doesn't get hurt against the Knicks, right over there, the whole whole season could be completely different. So I I do think that that stretch where the Pacers went like 1-11 and or whatever it was, I mean, that kind of set them in a bit of a different direction. Um, But when you're talking about Jalen Smith, I was digging up some numbers. And here's the thing. I love the fact that the Pacers have kind of given him like a real second chance. And in the month of March, Jalen Smith has been real solid. I want to say he was averaging about 12 points and about close to seven rebounds per game. Here it is. So over 14 games, he's averaged 12 points, six rebounds on 50% shooting and a block per game. We're talking about in 20 minutes of action. So not a lot of minutes, but enough to be able to at least produce something. 12 and six on 50% shooting. I mean, we could definitely live with that. It was just tough when he wasn't even playing at all. You know who those stats sounds like? Who? Miles Turner two years ago. <laughs> yeah. I, and and people were like, unleash him, you know, all this. So it's just like, look, 12 and six, 50%. I mean, Jalen Smith making roughly right around $5 million. Like, you could live with that. I mean, that's that's good production for what you're paying. And I, it just feels like at this point, this guy's too good to not be playing. So it's nice to be able to see him getting more than a couple of minutes here and there. I absolutely love his fight on the glass. I, I think mm-hmm. he's underappreciated for how well he fights for rebounds. Like six rebounds, that's not screaming up the page. You know, 20 minutes, six rebounds, that's not bad. I, I will say this. When you watch him out there, he's just constantly in position trying to fight. He's he's very strong, in my opinion, down low with being physical. He's not afraid to take contact where, you know, Isaiah Jackson's more of a leaper. He'll try to out jump you for the rebound. Jalen Smith is just getting out, getting down there. He's getting physical with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. I love it. I love seeing that from him. So we'll we'll see what his future looks like, and we can talk about all that kind of stuff in the offseason. But I think now, Fachi, it would be a great time to just look at the inverse standings and I, I, I tweeted out, and people were kind of chirping back at me a little bit. I said, I'm not overly concerned about the the win against the Thunder because there's still games to be played out. And I think Sunday was a great definition of that because nobody expected Portland, a team that's been just terrible and thrown in the towel completely, to beat Minnesota. Nobody. I mean, for crying out loud, Minnesota is fighting for their playing lives, and that loss was like, a critical loss for Minnesota. So nobody saw that. Portland gets a big win that nobody expected. The Magic have won two in a row. Oh, they're sizzling right now. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing pretty good basketball. The Bulls, they've been on fire as of late. I mean, I'm just telling you, I really really can't believe that the Pacers are in the position they're in right now because they could end up with the fifth worst record once again in the NBA. Depending on what happens with that Portland-San Antonio game, I think that's the one to keep the most attention on to. But like, yeah, the Spurs, I think they ended up winning yesterday too, Fotch. 
They did. They beat the Kings in overtime. Yeah, Another Sacramento. game no one expected. I thought the Blazers were absolutely done winning. I mean, they've they put their their you know their their, their better players on the shelf. Uh, also, one thing you got to take into effect is most of these teams have one more game to play than the Pacers. Pacers only have three games remaining. Portland has four. Uh, the Magic have four, and the Wizards have four. So you got to factor that in. As well, and like I said, the Magic—they've won six of eight. Uh, a little while ago, the Magic had like a three-game lead on the Pacers in terms of you know for the fifth best odds for the lottery. So this was stunning. And if you're going to tell me that the Pacers have a chance to improve by about eight wins or so, and eight or nine wins, and still finish with the fifth best odds. I mean, that's pretty much as good as it gets because you would have thought, oh, man, we win eight more games. We're going to awkwardly pick, like, ninth, something of that sort. And anything could still happen. But the fact that the Pacers play the Knicks twice, you you would think the Knicks going for it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Pistons, unfortunately, that, that very well could be a win. Um, it gives us enough wiggle room that, you know what, if the Pacers are picking fifth or sixth, I could definitely live with it. Seventh or eighth, eh, all right, yeah, I guess. But it's it feels like it's between fifth to eighth, probably with the best odds, maybe picking six or seven. Yeah, so what's really interesting here is Pacers, Wizards, and the Magic all have 34 wins. But the Pacers have one extra loss. So we'll have to yep. see what happens. I think Washington plays Houston at the end of the season. They do. That could Hawks, be a b- Hawks heat, and they finish off against the Rockets in a legitimate tank off. Yes. Right there. And what's really fascinating is because I think – our brains are programmed to think this way because of how the standings work. You you go by head-to-head record and standings. However, when it comes to the NBA draft lottery and the draft pick positioning, if the Pacers are tied with the Magic and the Wizards with the same record, it will not go based off head-to-head matchup. What matters here is it will be done via coin flip. Now, we know how things usually go for the Pacers when it happens to be coin flips or frozen envelopes, but mm-hmm. it, it, the Pacers right now really have nothing to lose because they tie with Orlando and Washington, and if it was head-to-head standings, they would be the they beat them they beat them both in the series. So this actually the coin flip actually works in favor for the Pacers in this go around. So you never know if they're tied with Portland, same thing. If it's a two-way tie, three-way tie, four-way tie, whatever. If it's a tie, tiebreakers in the draft are always done via coin flip. So I think that's really interesting. And I think that we always have to like remind ourselves of that because I do it every year. I get caught up in the moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're we're 11th. This is terrible. Well, it's like, well, we could have the same record as eight, nine, and 10 too. So it doesn't matter that much, but it's important to know that that's how all tiebreakers are decided. The one thing I hope is that we don't do like a practice coin flip because you know we're going to win that one. I don't and think they need to do any practice I, I, exactly. coin flips. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to make sure because after I know they ran like a lottery simulation last year and the Pacers were, I think, jumped to number two. And then they're like, all right, how about the real thing? Oh, wait, the Pacers, they jumped back. You know, they took a leap back from five to six. So it's mm-hmm. just like, let's just, we're due. You know, flip, uh, flip the coin. I feel good about this one, but we still have some work to do before we get there. So, and then also, lastly, checking in on the Rockets. They have a one and a half game lead on the Spurs for the second worst record in the league. So, 
things are looking good over there as well. Um, this is this is an exciting time of the year for a different type of thing. Look, no, we're not, you know, competing to see, hey, the play in or or who's gonna, you know, who's gonna make the, the the final spot of the playoffs, anything of that sort. But look, this is our future that we're talking about. And I'm sorry, guys, whether you're on either side, it's more valuable to have a top 10 pick than it is to face Milwaukee in the first round, <laughs> you know, like on the road. It's just, hey, give me the top 10 pick 10 out of 10 times. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's the that's the smart way of thinking about it. And, you know, we're eliminated from the playoffs. So exactly. It'll it's be the second. Over, year, guys. You know? It's it's the second year we're eliminated from the playoffs in a row. Um, no postseason for the Pacers. Now, they did make the postseason three seasons, two seasons ago, I guess you could say, when Nate Bjorkman was still the head coach. So they made the play in. They won one game against Charlotte and absolutely dominated them. And then went to Washington and got their butts kicked. So, you know, they got the 13th pick. They got Chris Duarte, and Chris Duarte has had an up-and-down career so far in his first two seasons in the NBA with all the injuries. So, you know, it's 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 been a tough going for that. But really, to have a top-10 pick more than likely in back-to-back years, that's really, really special and important for this team growing. And I think the front office, when Tyrus Halliburton went down, they decided, okay, we'll see how this plays out. And when we started losing games, it was easier to pivot towards not going all in and letting this season ride out. Because I think if we would have been closer to, you know, like maybe we were in that seven, eight range still, I think they might've been a little bit more aggressive in trying to bolster the roster and see what they could do. I I think so. And you know what? Look, while it's weird if an injury, you know, to use this type of saying, but like everything happens for a reason. And I'm very glad that, Tyrese Halliburton was was all right. It wasn't a serious injury, but it was enough to take a step back and look at things and say, you know what? Let's not push forward just to maybe play one real meaningful game and set ourselves back and, and pick, you know, 14th or 13th or anything of that sort. And look, hey, you add a, a, a real solid player to this mix, a Benedict Matherin-esque player to this group, Alex, it feels like we will have raised the potential, the ceiling for years to come. And that is what I'm so excited about because we've been through it. We did the, the you're picking 18th and, and you know how it goes. I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a bunch of Gogas and, and TJ Leafs and every now and then there's going to be like a, like a Mason Plumley in there or, or whatever. It's just, it's like those aren't the guys that really, um, you know, push this organization forward. The Benedict Matherin type players are those, and the Pacers very well could be heading towards another one. And for that, I'm just as, as excited as could be. For sure, Fachi. So I think that we've pretty much covered everything we need to cover for this one. I will say we have some exciting podcast guests coming on tomorrow and Thursday. So tomorrow... You guys are very familiar with his voice. Locked on Pacers host Tony East will be joining Fachi and I for a Pacers conversation and some fun after that. We will be doing a draft, but I'm not going to reveal what the topic is for that because I don't want any spoilers or any fans reaching out to us. But we will be doing another draft similar to the one we did with Caitlin Cooper, but a totally different topic. And then on Thursday, two more familiar voices to y'all. Jeremiah Johnson and Pat Boylan, the sideline guys. They're hopping on setting the pace, too, as we kind of wrap up the end of the season with just three games left to go. The Pacers don't play again until Wednesday. So 
Definitely going to have your content here for you guys. But other than that, Fachi, any final words? No, we just got an action-packed guest list that you mentioned. I'm very excited. And, hey, we're going to keep the keep the good times rolling, win or loss. You can count on us to still continue to bring you the best possible content that we can. Absolutely. And I will say this real quickly. I did mention on Thursday that I was going to have some draft content out after the national championship game. Well, I've decided to push it back just one more week. Only reason why I, I want to do a mock draft, but I think it would be much more beneficial to know where the NBA standings are at officially at that point. We will have an idea of what happens with the plane later in a couple weeks after that, but at least we'll know the teams that made the playoffs, didn't make the playoffs, that kind of thing. So I just wanted to push that back a week so I at least have an idea of what the the order of the standings are going to be before jumping into it, and it could change by, you know, a day or two later. So that's that. But Fachi, go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at, please, on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Set in the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set in the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Set in the Pace, a Pacers podcast. And make sure you subscribe to our channel. If you haven't already, check out the one-on-one conversation that Mike Focci had right there, my co-host Focci, uh, with Howard Beck. You know, what up, Beck? A great podcast. I really encourage everyone to check that out whether you do it via podcast app or on the YouTube. But right now, <laughs> I'm promoting the YouTube, so go there first. And subscribe. Let us know what you think in the comments section below. And also, subscribe to our Substack, settingthepacepodcast.substack.com. We will be having a ton of content for you, especially coming this offseason. But with that being said, if you're excited for the future of Andrew Nimhard and Benedict Matherin and the growth they've made the last few games without Halliburton the lineup, and hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.